0: Amen. Well, well, my name is Nate. I get to be the lead pastor of New City Church. I'm glad that you are uh, joining us today. Uh, If you're new, uh, welcome. I'm glad that you are uh, joining us uh, here online virtually. I can't wait to one day be able to see your face. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about the current sort of climate that we are in and uh, the season that we're all experiencing together. And I've come to the conclusion that I bet you didn't, (laughs) I bet you did not expect to give up this much for Lent. We we are all uh, going through a time of giving up a lot of things, and uh, prior to uh, this whole COVID-19 crisis that we're experiencing, I was evaluating what I was going to do for Lent this year, and I thought about giving up coffee, but then I read uh, on uh, Instagram, somebody had I put a note that last year they gave up Instagram and they became 100% less like Jesus. And so I don't know what this season is doing uh, for you, uh, but I do know this. I need need a resource, and I know a lot of you have time on your hands, and so I want you to take full advantage of your time. And uh, I've never in my life, I've read a lot of parenting books, uh, I've never read a chapter on... Uh, quarantine parenting. Uh, I could really use that resource. So if you've got some time on your hands, uh, would you write a chapter on quarantine parenting? I need to read it because I'm trying to figure this whole thing out. Uh, we need a little bit of humor, okay? Uh, we need to laugh a little bit during this time because there's a lot of pain going on and people are really hurting. And, and I, I don't know everybody's name right now who's watching and hurting, uh, but I do know every hurting person has a name. All of our medical people who are serving have names. All, all of our Uh, All of our first responders have names. All those who are suffering because of COVID-19 have names. And I I recognize that every hurting person has a name. Uh, What I like about the scriptures as we read them together is that uh, often we come in contact with a name and that name has a story and that story is worth our investigating. Uh, you might have some recollection of Zacchaeus. If you don't, it's no worries. But uh, if you grew up in the church, you might even know a song about Zacchaeus. And so we have some familiarity, those of us who grew up in the church, with the, with the story of Zacchaeus. But um, maybe, maybe there's a little bit something different to share today uh, in the message, something you've not heard before. Uh, look at verses 1 and 2. He entered Jericho, that's Jesus. He was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and... Uh, was rich. And so there's a man who has a name. Now, I may not know your name, but I want you to know something. God knows your name. And if you're hurting today, I want you to know that God knows your name. Jesus in Luke chapter 12 writes this. He says, or he says this. He says, are are not uh, five sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why even the hairs of your head are all numbered? Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. Uh, God not only knows your name, he knows the number of hairs in your head. In other words, he's intimately aware of the details of your life. And I know that uh, we are all going through uh, a, quite a change. And sometimes it feels like, you know, does God understand? Does he know? And I want you to know something God knows. He knows your name. He knows your story. See, hurt has a name, but hope also has a name. And the name of hope is Jesus. He's, he's our hope. And I want you to hear Romans 12:12. 12, 12. I, I want you to receive this, maybe even uh, this is one of those verses that's worth writing out because it's applicable wisdom for you and me in our current moment. Rejoice in a hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Rejoice in hope. Be patient during COVID-19. Be constant in prayer when Jesus Uh, the hope that Zacchaeus was looking for, uh, looked up at Zacchaeus and recognized him. He saw him and invited him down because Jesus said, I must go to your house today. It says in Luke 19, 6, that he received him. Zacchaeus received Jesus joyfully. So let's do that. Let's receive our hope. Let's receive Jesus today joyfully. See, how does our hope in Jesus produce joy even when... Uh, We're hurting, even when life is confusing, even when we're full of anxiety. Well, I want to give you some ways to think about this, and I want to help you with your thinking. Uh, I want to show you that the Bible gives us help in how to think about these kinds of times that we're in. And if you can't identify why you're hurting, it will be difficult to find the hope that you're looking for. And there's a reason that you hurt right now in this particular time. There's a reason why we're experiencing, collectively all of us are experiencing anxiety right now. It's because things are not the way they ought to be. Uh, You see, in verses 2 and 3, you'll see that uh, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. He was rich. And in verse 3, it says he was seeking, seeking to see who Jesus was. And I want to do that today a little bit with you. I want to seek to see who Jesus is. You see, all the pain that we are experiencing in the world is because of the curse brought about by sin. And we have to recognize that, that everything going on in the world right now goes back to Adam and Eve and the original sin, and that when, that, when, when sin entered the world, death entered the world, and all the things between life and death are happening, the, the pulling apart of the fabric of everything, uh, everything that, that, that was made perfectly and beautiful is being kind of ripped apart and torn apart by sin. That's the story of the Bible. You see in Romans 5.12, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sin. In other words, sin, sickness, and death are a violation of how things ought to be. They, they are a reminder of what sin is. It's pulling apart of God's intended purpose. And so in the words of Paul in Romans 8, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. All of creation is longing for a new life. Life without this pain, life without this suffering, life without COVID-19, life without this anxiety. We are all longing for life without this. Why are we longing for life without this? Well, because oughtness is hardwired into humanity. Uh, We all have this sense of the way life ought not to be. And we are all around the globe today experiencing uh, the same experience. This is not the way things should be. We all know that. We, We feel it. I mean, inside, we know this is not the way life ought to be. And every human since Adam and Eve have had the sense that things are not as they ought to be. Not only do we have the sense and the feeling of oughtness, we are all working really hard, desperately seeking to restore things to the way they ought to be. I don't know about you, but in my house, we're trying to figure this out. We're trying to, we're working really hard. And, And Vanessa and I looked at each other at the end of the week this week, and we just said, man, I am, we're tired and you would think staying at home and being quarantined uh, and doing our best not to, you know, spread the disease and practice the guidelines from the CDC would uh, mean that we're at home, sort of relaxing. But we're not. I mean, we're anxiously trying to figure out how to right the wrong. And I know many of you are feeling that same tension too. And uh, we come into the end of the week, many of us having stayed at home all week, working from home, we're working remotely, and trying to figure out how do we how do we rest in all of this. Well, every human being has this trace memory. The reason why you feel this way, the reason why you feel anxious, the reason why you, you, you feel this real need to restore things to the way they ought to be is so every human has a trace memory of the Garden of Eden, and we feel its loss. And sometimes we feel its loss more than other times, like now. Uh, we really do feel the loss of the Garden of Eden. We feel the loss of the way that things ought to be. And the core message of Christianity is that Jesus is and will restore all things. That's what he's at work doing, restoring everything, making it right again. And the work that we're doing, trying to make it right in our own life right now, and the worry and anxiety that we're all feeling collectively, uh, that's, that's, that's the work that Jesus has already done. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's lived a perfect life. He died the death on the cross. He was buried in the grave. He rose again. He conquered the death. And what that means is he's bringing about a resurrection of everything. And for those of us who believe in the resurrection, that's something we have hope in. We hope that he's going to restore life and there's going to be no more sadness and no more tears and no more death and no more dying. All those things are going to pass away because Christ is at work restoring things. And so I've been, in my own quiet time, reading through the Psalms and reading through the book of Acts. And the question I've been wrestling with personally in my devotional time and reading Acts is, what is the original genius of the church and what is the original genius of the gospel message? And I didn't get further than Acts chapter 3 until it just started to begin to pop off the page of the original hope. I mean, This was Peter preaching the second message in Acts. Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Who needs that today? Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you Jesus whom heaven must receive. Now here's the the money line, until the time of restoring all the things. That Jesus is coming back, and when he comes back, he's restoring everything. In the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 8.21, the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and attain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. It's going to be set free from the bondage it's experiencing to COVID-19 and the rest of the things that are ripping apart the world. And so how does that lead us into Zacchaeus? Well, Zac- Zacchaeus is experiencing another, uh, another, another hardship of the fallen world. See, so Zac- Zacchaeus was rich and powerful, but he was missing something that Jesus was glad to provide. He was missing something, really, that only Jesus could provide. Uh, I want you to look at uh, verses 2 and 3 again with me. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but here's a really important line, and this might change the way you think about this story of Zacchaeus. But on account of the crowd, hear that, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Joel Green in his commentary really served me this week. I hope it'll serve you as well. He says the phrase, on account of the crowd, has causative force. Thus, it is not simply that Zacchaeus cannot see over the crowd. Rather, the crowd itself is, uh, is present as an obstacle to him on account of their negative assessment of Zacchaeus. The people refused him the privilege of seeing Jesus as he passed by. Zacchaeus was short in stature, but that's not the reason he couldn't see. The reason he couldn't see is because the crowd refused to let somebody who was shorter than them stand in front of them to see Jesus. They, they essentially boxed him out because the assessment of him is that he was a sinner. He was, a, he was rich. He was a tax collector. He was somebody who was notoriously hated in the community, and people shut him out of regular societal activities like seeing the celebrity who had become Je- or Jesus who became become the celebrity. So the one thing Zacchaeus could not buy was friends. He couldn't, he had, he was rich, but his wealth just did not afford him the opportunity for friendship. And in Luke chapter 19, verse 7, we see the, that they all grumbled, I mean, meaning the whole crowd. They followed Jesus and Zacchaeus to Zacchaeus' house, and the whole crowd follows, and they all grumble. He has gone, meaning Jesus has gone, into to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And they're all astonished that Jesus would sit down with a man like Zacchaeus. I want you to know that when the Bible speaks about community, it speaks uh, eloquently and beautifully. But it also speaks truthfully. You see, there is no human experience that is darker or more disturbing than the experience of loneliness. There simply isn't one. See, humanity was made to be rich with friendship. And so, when God created the world, He said it's not good for man to be alone, which means the first and primary human experience in creation was friendship. Like God created you and me to be connected together. Like we, He made us for relationships. And this is where the, the Bible speaks honestly about the brokenness and fallenness of, the, of this world. The first and primary experience of the curse of sin was loneliness. What happens when Adam and Eve sin is they say a couple of things. They say, like, we ran from you, God, because we were afraid, because we were naked, and so we hid ourselves. There's idea of being exposed and being found out, this idea that, that suddenly this intimacy of relationship between Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve and their God had broken apart. Uh, you could say social distancing began in Genesis 3. It, it began a long, long time ago. Right now, the entire world, listen, the entire world, all of humanity is craving one thing. Friendship. I mean, we all want it. I went to Target the other day and somebody started to walk near me and they were violating the six foot rule and I was walking, stepping back from them and I felt rude, but also I was like, you're being rude, you're getting too close, you're violating the rules. And, and, but it's, it's just, this we, we're in this weird place where, uh, and I, I'm, I'm not a hugger, but I kinda wanna high five somebody right now, like a, a fist bump, maybe a long one, you know? I need some connectivity. But I want you to know something, the greatest obstacle to friendship is not COVID-19. The greatest obstacle to friendship is shame. Always has been. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, when their eyes were opened because of their sin, it says they knew their nakedness. They knew their shame. They felt exposed. And no human can shake the feeling that we are not who we ought to be. And one of our greatest fears is that someone will find that out. There's not a human being who has ever lived, who's ever walked the face of the planet After Adam and Eve, who has not looked in the mirror and said, I wish I was somebody else. There's there's not a human being who has not had the experience that I know that I'm not who I ought to be. And maybe, you know, being at home with your kids as you're saying it more often. (laughs) We are consistently reminded that we are not who we ought to be. And Jesus offers Zacchaeus what his heart longed for most, friendship. Listen to what happens in verses 5 and 6. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay, I must stay at your house today. Intentional language here recorded by Luke. So he hurried and he came down and received him joyfully. You should know this about Christianity. If you're new to Christianity, you're tuning in and you're just kind of just figuring out Christianity, I want you to know that you're welcome. And I also want you know this, this about Christianity: that friendship is a primary identifier of the kingdom of Jesus. It's one of the ways that you can know that people are Christians by the way that they love each other. In fact, the Bible says it this way in John 13. This is Jesus speaking. He says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That one of the, the primary identifying markers of Christianity is a loving community, it's friendship. And what makes Christian friendship different is that shame and the impulse to hide, well, they have been removed. Just absolutely removed because of the gospel. There are lots of verses that summarize the, the gospel, but I like Colossians chapter two, verse thirteen and fourteen for this particular moment. And you who are dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses, all of our sins. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. In other words, all the reasons that you have for feeling shame and all the reasons you have for feeling like you need to hide, Jesus has taken care of. He took all those things, the list of things that cause you to feel shame, the list of things that cause you to feel the need to hide, the things that keep you from experiencing intimacy and community, he took that whole list and he nailed it to the cross he said, it's done, it's finished, I've taken care of it. You see, Jesus is offering you and me something remarkable. He's offering us the freedom to be friends. I mean, the, the, the freedom from worry and anxiety, the, the freedom of, of feeling like we failed. In fact, if you're a Christian today, if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know all the sins in your home this week that have been committed because of the close proximity of sinners in a home, Forgiven. He's forgiven them. In Luke chapter 7, verse 34, it says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And so I want you to know that Jesus <laughs> Jesus loves sinners. <laughs> he loves broken people because broken people are all there is. He loves you. You see, there's no category of human for which Jesus' friendship is not made available, simply isn't one. No category of human. In fact, when you read Luke 19, too, if you had been reading the previous 18 verses of Luke, this would have been something that jumped off the page at you. And behold, there was a man uh, named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. You would have said, oh, he's a tax collector. This is going to go well for him because it always goes well for sinners and tax collectors. And then the next line says, and he was rich. And then you go, oh, this is not going to go well for him because it doesn't go well for the rich in Luke's gospel. Just earlier in Luke 18, for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. I mean, just verses later. And so what is Luke doing here by saying he's a tax collector and, by the way, he was really rich? He's saying there's no category of human for which Jesus' grace does not extend. He's saying, I don't want you to miss the point of my gospel. I want you to know that everybody is included in my loving grace. So there are two truths I want you to know today. One of the truths I want you to know is this. Jesus is with you. He's with you. He's here. He's available. Uh, and if you're, if you're far from God and you're like Zacchaeus and you're just seeking, uh, Jesus is saying to you, come on down. Come out of hiding. I, I must be at your house today. I want you to know this too. The church is with you. Uh, that you're not alone in this at all. And I know we're virtually connecting right now. But I want you to know something. That the church is here and present And we're ready to be activated. We're ready to care for each other because there's a special kind of love that we share together as a local church. And New City Church, we love you and we're here for you. And I want you to know something that if you if you've never been to New City Church before and you're just tuning in uh, for the first time, I want you to know something you belong. You belong to us. Social distancing does not have to mean social social isolation. Uh, To be distant doesn't mean that we have to be isolated. And so I want you to know that Jesus is available to you, and he doesn't, he, doesn't want you to, he doesn't want you to think that somehow you've been isolated from him. You know, in Matthew 123, when the angel speaking to Mary, the angel is very, very strategic in the scope of human history uh, to say, I want you to know that, you, that this Jesus that you're going to give birth to, his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. What's the angel saying? The angel's saying, is Jesus is the one who reverses the curse, he's the one who takes the isolation we feel because of sin and does away with it. He's creating community again. He's God with us. You've got to see on the cross, Jesus experienced the darkness of loneliness so that we don't have to ever be alone. On the cross, in Matthew 27, 46... Jesus cries out, and this is the first time in the Bible he he does this. He always says, Father. He always says, Father in heaven, Father in heaven. But he he doesn't say, Father. He says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Because on the cross, Jesus was was experiencing colossal loneliness. So you don't have to be alone. So you might be social distancing right now and doing the right thing and loving your neighbor by social distancing, but it does not need to be isolation. Listen to the promise of Jesus' presence. Listen to the words. Joshua 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong, courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed? Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Hebrews, the author of Hebrews looking back at Joshua, says, Keep your life free from love of money, be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew twenty-eight twenty. He says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus is with us now. Right now he's with us. He's with us in our living rooms. He's with us at our dining tables. He's with us on the back patio. He's with us in in our bedrooms. Wherever you're watching from right now, he is here and present with us as a church. Now listen, the church is also with you. We believe the Bible and we are kingdom people. We want to live the kingdom ethic of Jesus. And so Galatians 6.2 is something we are told to do, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And we want to know what your burdens are. We want to help bear those burdens as a community. We want to be responsive in the ways that we can, responsibly and wisely, but be responsive to your needs. You see, during this time of social distancing, you do not have to be alone. You don't. We're trying to provide ways and means online to connect Please do it. I know that the Wednesday night prayer gathering may be out of your comfort zone. It's only half an hour. I know being split up into groups as a part of the gathering might be a little bit odd to you. It might be hard for you being matched with people you don't have control over, who you get matched with, and you just get matched with other people to pray. But let me tell you something. We all need community. And it, I think it's kind of my responsibility and your responsibility to be present and prayer for one another, to hear each other's prayer concerns, and to pray for each other. In Luke 19, 9, Jesus says, and this is, this is powerful, he says to Zacchaeus, he says, Today, salvation has come to this house. Now listen, how, listen to how we define salvation to Zacchaeus. Since he is also, it says he also is a son of Abraham. The crowd is looking in. Jesus says, Salvation is here. You know what salvation is? It's belonging. I want everybody to know he's the son of Abraham. He belongs. One of the most profound experiences of Christian salvation is the experience of belonging. And it may be an odd time for you to experience belonging because we're all engaging virtually, but I want you to know something that Jesus wants you to know something. You belong. And, and belonging is something we have to fight for right now because one of the primary one of the primary experiences of the fall is isolation, loneliness, and Jesus is saying, not good. And we've got to do the things we've got to do as a community, as a church, to respond to that and do the right thing. To experience relationship. You see, one of the most profound experiences, I think, of the Christian experience, and I want to say it again, is belonging. and We need to offer that to one another. All right, there are two things that you can see in this text uh, two ways in which we can know uh, that we have a relationship with Jesus because we can see it in the response of Zacchaeus. One of those is an increase in generosity. And the other is a ministry of reconciliation, uh, primarily because of belonging. So what you see here in Luke chapter 19, verse 8, is Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, and he said to Jesus, Behold, Lord, uh, the half of my goods I have, <laughs> I have I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold." In other words, I'm going to respond in two ways to so the generosity you've displayed to me. I'm going to be generous to others. And the way you've made me belong, boy, I'm going to make others belong. I'm going, to make, I'm going to make sure that I restore any broken relationship I have in my life. And if there's a key message for today's talk is that you belong. Another key phrase that you might want to hold on to is uh, at New City Church, we believe there are no perfect people allowed. So um, we, this, this community is for imperfect people because imperfect people is all there is. And so if you are struggling in your imperfection, you belong. Another phrase that we often uh, kick around here at New City is that this is a safe place to ask questions. And I've tried to give you a way of thinking about the brokenness of the world, particularly the feelings that we're feeling at this particular time. Uh, The anxiety, the stress, the loneliness, all these things that we're feeling, these these are signs of the fall, but also point to what God's restoring. And the reason that they upset us is because we have this trace memory of Eden that we're all trying to restore on our, through our effort and through our work that Christ has already come to restore and fix for us. And so instead of leaning on our work, we should be leaning on his providential care for us. I'm trying to give you help on how to think about these things. But I want you to know that I, I, I don't believe that I have all the answers. And I probably haven't answered every question that you have. And I want you to know it's, this, this is a safe time for you to be engaged at New City and to question We don't always have all the answers. Doubt, I believe, is an antibody to the soul. And it's okay if you're struggling in your faith right now. Uh, Prior to COVID-19 happening, we recorded a story uh, of Ben and Paige and their faith journey. And doubt is a major part of their faith journey. And I hope this, this, this story serves you today. I hope you find it encouraging. So check it out.
1: I'm Ben, and this is my wife, Paige, and we have three little boys, and we've been going to New City for eight years now. Um, So Paige and I grew up in the church. You know, we were uh, regular attenders. We'd go every Sunday. um, And we did that from the time we can remember to all the way through high school and into college.
2: So when we were in college, we got out on our own and we started to question some of the things that we just assumed our whole lives. So I remember taking um, a comparative religions course and um, it kind of blew my mind. I I expected to just feel 100% certain about Christianity and I left feeling um, more confused. I began to just question a lot of things. As I began to question um, my faith, I sort of had the courage to speak up about it to some family and friends who were Christians in a Bible study and I just felt really lonely like no one else was having any of these questions. Um, I felt like they were a little shocked and somewhat defensive and kind of like scrambling to just give me a quick answer so that I could move on. In that moment when I opened up about my doubts, I think What I really needed was just someone to say, me too. That's a tough question. Um, I didn't need a bunch of answers or references to books that might help me. I just really wanted another Christian to say, yeah, I've, I've been there and yeah, you're not alone and I'll walk with you through this.
1: So then eight years ago we moved to Albuquerque and uh, we're, at that time, we hadn't been to church for three or four years and we thought, well, maybe we'll throw our hat in the ring again. So we uh, Googled some things and um, New City came up first and we saw the slogan of no perfect people allowed. And he said, well, oh, that's, that's different. I haven't heard that before. So we were intrigued and uh, we decided to start going.
2: felt like New City was a really real place where you could be honest about things and so I remember sharing about some of my doubts um, in like a women's ministry um, gathering and being really blunt about them and just feeling okay like I, I didn't feel afraid to do it I didn't feel like people would look down upon me and I felt um, you know what I wanted to feel long ago which was that a lot of Christians experienced doubts and questions and it wasn't just me and that we could um, talk about those things and work through them together but it wasn't like a shameful thing to us being good news means that if someone is dealing with some doubt and hard questions to say that's okay we all have questions let's walk through it together and you're still welcome
0: a couple ways to respond today one is through generosity Uh, you can uh, give to new city online obviously virtually you can text to give lots of ways to respond uh, this way Uh, we are trying our best to be mobile and agile ready to serve Uh, you'll find on our website uh, a page all about what we're doing about collecting uh, food and resources how we're trying to serve both our medical professionals how we're trying to serve uh, the elderly how we're trying to serve uh, local schools in our city Uh, a lot of places for you to get involved but please um, be generous to New City Church uh, during the season so we can continue to be agile and serve and care for our community. The other thing is, is prayer. If you need prayer, you can let us know uh, on, online. There's a, a form for prayer, but also uh, you can let us know in the chat feature of our service. And we have a bunch of people ready and standing by to pray. Uh, also, I want to encourage you Wednesday night uh, 8, 8, 30, a 30-minute 30 prayer time. It may be out of your comfort zone, uh, but I need you to be there. We need each other to be there. So please, please be present for that. And then communion. Uh, At home, uh, we'll be celebrating communion for the foreseeable future. And so uh, it is my advice to you to get some grape juice or wine, if you prefer, and some bread, and uh, start walking through that narrative with your family. Uh, Break the bread. Remember the body of Christ broken for you. Take the cup, remember his blood shed for you. And you might even just during the season confess that Jesus was broken to end all brokenness. Confess that he was afflicted to end all affliction. Uh, Confess that he... uh, That Jesus is the one who's restoring all things and making things new again. And, And as a family, gather around the table, celebrate the Lord Jesus. Put your hope in Him and experience the peace that He provides. God bless.